Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Sadenberg here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Congratulations to all the teams that won on opening day. Here of Major League Baseball, you are in first place, <laughs> and it's a good place to be on opening day. Lots of hype for plenty of teams around Major League Baseball. Uh, the action started. The Cubs and the Brewers got things underway. We got started off with a win with the Cubs under in the first five innings. Corbin Burns and Kyle Hendricks both pitched well. Uh, I feel bad if anybody. We had our first bad, not bad beat, but first bad, bad kind of bad beat of the season uh, for anybody that bet the Brewers in the first five innings. They were up one nothing going into the bottom of the fifth inning. And the Cubs put up a three spot with one out in the bottom of the fifth, including a two-run home run to take a 3-1 lead after five innings. So you looked so great. Corbin Burns looked so great through the first four innings. uh, And then in the fifth inning, it all fell apart. And that's what happens sometimes with these first five-inning bets. You get stung. Uh, The debut of a lot of young stars was very exciting. Bobby Witt Jr. getting a hit. Everyone very excited about him with the Kansas City Royals. And now all eyes will be on Julio Rodriguez on Friday against the Minnesota Twins. There's a lot of hype surrounding the Seattle Mariners. And this is one of the more intriguing games to me here on the Friday schedule. Because the game is right now... Uh, it's at Minnesota, Minnesota, is minus 115. I, I, I get it. There's a lot of hype of this Mariners team, and it's Robbie Ray at home. And I don't honestly don't know what I'm going to get from Joe Ryan. You know, Joe Ryan is a guy who has a lot of promise. He's a young kid making his first career um, opening day start. This spring, he started two games for Minnesota, pitched only five innings this spring, did not allow a run, struck out six batters in five innings this spring. Last year, he started five games for the Twins. He allowed 12 runs in 26.2 innings. Good for an ERA of 4.05. His minor league stats. Last season in 2021, split between Durham 
and St. Paul. He had 14, uh, 13 starts. He threw 66 innings, allowed 27 runs in 66 innings, had an ERA of 3.41. He struck out 92 batters, though, in 66 innings in the minors. So you can see why people are very, very high on Joe Ryan, one of the top prospects for the Minnesota Twins, is now getting the opening day start for them here in 2022. Going up against the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner in Robbie Ray, who uh, signed with the Mariners and is making his first start for Seattle. There's a lot to like with the Minnesota Twins lineup because they spent some money. They made some moves. You got Carlos Correa at shortstop. What more can you say about him? Miguel Sano is still going to be able to blast some home runs. And I love the trade that they made with the Yankees. I don't know if it makes them better, worse, whatever, but Gary Sanchez is still an extremely, he he has the potential, okay, to be a great hitter. Yes, he has fallen off, and he hasn't been the same in several years. But he still has a ton of pop and can be one of the best hitting catchers in all of Major League Baseball. And you can just use him as the DH. You don't even have to have him catch every day. They do, um, you know, have Gio Urshela, who was great for the Yankees. I don't know if it's going to be Urshela or Arise in the starting lineup at third base. Polanco at second base, maybe. Byron Buxton, Max Kepler. This is a decent lineup. I don't, I'm not thrilled about the rotation, though. That's the problem with this team. Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, Dylan, Dylan Bundy, Bailey O'Bear, and then Chris Archer. Come on. That lineup's not, that rotation's not good. Serviceable, but not good. So I don't think the Twins are competing for the division title. But a good lineup. A good lineup. Actually, the Twins did make a move here. They did get Chris Paddock from the Brewers. So they just acquired him in a trade uh, here on opening day, which is a very good move for them. Again, not a move that's going to uh, change possibly the outlook of them in terms of competing with the division and having a chance to beat the White Sox or, dare I say, the Tigers? who a lot of people are high on this year. But Chris Paddock does add, it's a much-needed arm in that rotation. Absolutely. But that's a game that I'm, you know, so many people love this Mariners team. Can they live up to the hype here on opening day? Because the price is right for them. You're getting close to even money. You might have to lay a buck five to get the, for the Mariners to win this game. Mariners on the run line is, they're actually the favorite on the run line, minus one, uh, minus one and a half at plus 155. So I, don't, I might lean towards the Mariners here, but that's a very, very interesting game. Speaking of those uh, upstart Tigers, they will play against the top team in that division in the White Sox. It's Lucas Giolito, 
against Eduardo Rodriguez. I like Eduardo Rodriguez. I really do. I faded him a lot, though, when he was with the Red Sox. Taking a look at the line in this game, White Sox minus 130, total of eight. I might lean towards the over here. We know that uh, the Tigers have a very good hitting lineup. A young, good hitting lineup. Spencer Torkelson is a very dangerous hitter. I love the trade of uh, bringing in Austin Matthews. Javier Baez, still a stud. Jonathan Scope, still can hit. And you got Akil Badu, Robbie Grossman. This is a team that won me a lot of money last year. I was I loved betting on the Tigers last year. They won me. I, I'm just like go. I go back into like my plays of the day, and I see the plays that I had in the Tigers, and I'm like, yeah, they were a lot of fun. Um, don't know what to make of Eduardo Rodriguez against the White Sox. If we look at his his numbers right uh, against them to see like how many at bats some of these White Sox players have had against them in the past. I can't imagine it's much. Let's see if we can pull it up real quick and do this uh, research here together. Um, Let's see. Against the players on the White Sox, he has faced Tim Anderson 14 times, Jose Abreu 12, Yohan Moncada 10. So there's not a lot of familiarity with, um, with that team. Is that an advantage for Rodriguez? Probably, which is why I think the Tigers might be live here. There's a lot to love about Lucas Giolito, though. I think he's he's an American League Cy Young candidate. The White Sox are certainly World Series contenders. I'm curious to see the price movement before we get to first pitch because you could get the Tigers at a better number. It's plus 110 right now. You might be able to get it at a better number. Uh, as it gets closer to first pitch, money starts to come in on the White Sox. It's an early start there, uh, around 1 o'clock Eastern time, one ten Eastern time, but that would be one that I would take a look at. I actually like a ton of overs. Uh, I mean, ugh. Red Sox-Yankees, I think, goes over the total. Tigers-White Sox, I think, goes over the total. Phillies-A's, I think, goes over the total. I would lean Dodgers-Rockies. I think the Dodgers score it by themselves. Man, the Dodgers team total at Coors Field on Friday against Kyle Freeland might be, it's got to be at least five and a half. It might be six. That lineup is just stacked. Uh, I can see maybe a couple of underdogs here. Marlins maybe. Uh, Mets with Max Scherzer. How could you not love them? Blue Jays should roll over the Rangers. I like a Blue Jays team total tomorrow, over four and a half runs. I think the Blue Jays put up like a five or a six spot at home against John Gray. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun! Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Rangers, so that's another game I think goes over the total of nine. And um, I like the Astros. Back-to-back games here against the Angels is Reed Detmers on the hill against Jake Odorizzi. Reed Detmers um, didn't have good minor league numbers. Not not good major league numbers either. Uh, might be a guy I would look to fade um, and see if the Astros can score a little more than the three runs that they scored here on Thursday. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Take a pause away from Major League Baseball uh, with the NFL draft just a couple of weeks away here in Vegas. We're going to start doing a little draft stuff every single day as we lead up to the big event and hopefully the opening of the markets here at a lot of the sportsbooks. Thor Nystrom from NBC Sports Edge will join me coming up next. We're going to get into the draft, uh, see if he's sold on Aiden Hutchinson going number one overall. If there's anybody else that's climbing up his draft board and uh, maybe some position battles as well. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. We are only uh, three weeks, I guess, well, 20 days or so away from the start of the NFL draft here in Las Vegas. And as we get uh, closer and closer, we will continue to uh, break down what we are seeing, what we are hearing, and hope that the markets open up and we can take advantage of the information. Let's welcome in Thor Nystrom from NBC Sports Edge, joining me to talk a little bit about the NFL draft. And Thor, at this point, three weeks out, where are you in your process here? Are you still in the information gathering process? Have you settled in, locked in on some of your picks and ideas of where players are going to be slotted? Uh, Where are you right now? 
I'll be in the information gathering process up to and even through the draft, you know, depending on the kind of stuff that happens. Sometimes a guy will start falling and then you, you don't know why. And, you know, I mean, like the, the, that stuff, you know, continues through then. Right now where, where I am is it, it's the thing of finalizing the, the, the rankings down on further, um, going through each position, doing my, my scouting reports, and then, and then locking those things in. And then, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll have the 500-player big board I put out every year. Of course, uh, I think Aiden Hutchinson might have solidified himself as the number one overall pick. Is that where you're going? I, I think that's where you would lean right now. Yeah, just because of the the team that holds that pick and what their needs are. Obviously, that you know they're not going to be taking a quarterback again. And then we we had sort of had a supposition early on that it was going to be offensive line because of some of the comments that Doug Peterson had made after he got hired there. But then. They went out and they franchised uh, Cam Robinson around the time of the combine, and then they signed Brandon Scherf. And the Scherf signing, it took one of the spots off the board where you could have knocked Jawan Taylor down the spectrum. They're starting right tackle. You could have moved him to guard if you had taken Evan Neal or, or you know, Aquanu, whatever. But now you can't really do that because now, now you're running out of interior spots that he can play as well. So I think they're going to keep him on, uh, you know, on the right side. That all goes back to, you know, the, the edge position. The edge position is by far the most stacked in this draft class. And it, it would be difficult at this point to make an argument against Aiden Hutchinson being the top guy on that list unless you start making a couple logical leaps. You, you, you have to start dreaming on the other guys doing stuff they haven't done yet to put them above Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson is a slam dunk. So at number two, then, you would say the draft really starts with the Lions can they make things exciting? Do you think that there's some idea that they could take a quarterback, whether it's Malik Willis or someone else, or uh, will they go with a, a, another edge rusher or a lineman? Where do you think they're going here with number two? Well, number one, I think they're going to keep us guessing up until draft day. Um, and, you know, I, I think it could be one of those things where a day or two, you know, the week after the draft, where, you know, the, the narrative comes out of like, this was the guy they were on the whole time and maybe nobody knew it, you know, or, or they had just kept it really silent because they're not, um, you know, outside of the, the one thing that the Lions have been forthright about to the, the sources around them and, and, and the people that cover the team, it, it's almost like they had this unified front of trying to convince everyone that it was like Aiden Hutchinson or bust, uh -huh. right? And, and so, like, everyone is on that, but now it seems like Aiden Hutchinson is going to go above them. They are being eerily quiet about the other prospects. Uh, and now reporters are sort of guessing based on crumbs or tea leaves, stuff like that. I happen to think it's, you know, I, I lean Malik Willis. I, I, I think that the silence could be indicative of that. I know their offensive coaching staff loves him. They, they requested to coach him at the senior bowl. They got their wish and he absolutely dominated was, was easily the best quarterback in mobile. Um, and th he's going to have offensive coaches banging the table, the, the upper management though, you know, I, I don't know their feelings on that. I, I don't have any like in, inside sources on that. There are some people sort of guessing that Trayvon Walker might be a preference of theirs, but honestly, I, everyone's guessing at this point because they're not letting out anything. Well, if that's the case, and if Malik Willis goes number two, let me throw out a scenario that I've been playing around with. The Giants have the fifth pick and the seventh pick sandwiched in between is the Carolina Panthers, who we know are quarterback needy. Do you see the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to get that five pick from the Giants to take Kenny Pickett? 
Well, 1,000%, they're going to try to move up. I don't think it's for Kenny Pickett. I think it's for Malik Willis. If, well, saying, if, if, Willis if Willis is off the board at two, does oh, that if, then if force their the hand board, a bit? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it could be, yeah, Pickett or, or Corral. Either way, they're going to be extremely aggressive, right? Like, I, I think if, if if Malik, you know, is is on the table, they'll be all the more aggressive. But either way, they have to be aggressive because they're not going to go forward with, like, Mitch Trubisky is a long-term guy. That that was very clearly a bridge thing. No team has, has, has sort of put out there or projected interest in this, this quarterback class as overtly as the Pittsburgh Steelers have. They were slobbering all over Malik Willis and Mobile, and they didn't <laughs> care that the reporters saw it. You know, like uh, Tomlin and uh, um, the GM Colbert and the offensive coordinator, they all met with Malik Willis um, inside the stadium after one of those days of practice. It might have even been multiple, but one of the days, all the reporters were there. And we're, and, and we're sort of like looking at each other like, don't these guys care about keeping this a secret like but they just didn't you know and you know Jim Nagy was making uh, jokes about it by the end of the week but even if it's not Malik they have brought in way more quarterbacks than any other team as far as booking them for the official 30 visits if you look at their 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 list for the 30 it's like 12 quarterbacks or 10 quarterbacks or something like that like a third of the guys that are going to visit their building before the draft officially at least our quarterback. So I, I, and the reason why I think that is, is I think Malik Willis is their primary target, but they know like, you know, you know, to get up from 20 to, you know, I mean, if it's two, they, they're not going to have a shot, but even getting 20, you know, let's say to five is going to be tricky. So I think that they know they need to have backup, you know, a, a secondary option and a tertiary option in case Malik, you know, is indeed not available to them. Who will be the first wide receiver off the board? That's a tough one. That one's going to go down to the wire. Um, I, I, I think the primary, the, the top two candidates are Garrett Wilson and Drake London. And the, the Jets, the assumption has been that they're going to lead the dance on that. And it could be all the way up at four. One of the things that could throw a wrench into things is, you know, this last week we had that report of, of that uh, the, the, the Seahawks had, had turned down the Jets offer of the number 10 uh, pick for DK Metcalf. Um, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Some people are, 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 you know, think that the Seahawks are putting that out because they're trying to leverage the Jets into giving them four instead of 10. But either way, if the Jets uh, trade for DK Metcalf, you can erase them off the board as one of the teams that's taking a receiver because obviously they have, uh, you know, Davis on the other side. And then last year in the second round, they took the kid from Mississippi. So that that, that would be their three receivers. So it's it, it's, it's all going to come down, down to that. But if the Jets do not get DK Metcalf, I, I, I can almost say with 100% certainty that either at four or at 10, they will be taking a receiver. How far can Kayvon Thibodeau fall? This is this is the million-dollar question. Um, I, I put this out on Twitter, I think, last week or earlier this week or something, because I was just curious what you know my followers or some of the other writers, where, where they would say. Um, you get different answers on this. Th there's some people that think he could fall all the way into the, the – like early teens, you know, let, let, let's say uh, Houston's pick, I think it's at 13. If Houston didn't take, let's say Trayvon Walker, you know, like, a, you know, up higher or whatever that, you know, maybe that would be Thib Thibodeau's floor. I happen to think it's more, um, I, I would probably say the Falcons at eight. I like, and, and, and more realistically, probably even one of the Giants' picks, but even if the, like, there are scenarios where the Giants could, it would behoove the Giants to wait on the edge rusher because, 
the, the you know this edge rushing class is 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 not only stacked at the top but it's also very very deep where you can get you know in the second round they'll be able to get a guy that usually goes you know at the late end of the first in the third round you'll be able to get a guy who's usually you know top 50 pick or whatever so if if the right two guys fall to the giants where it's just like oh man we we got to do this like let, let's say it was uh Icky Aquanu and Kyle Hamilton and they're just like well, you know, we just fixed the offensive line, and now we're getting a generational safety prospect, and we know that, that this edge class is deeper than it's been any edge class going back like a decade. Let's just wait until day two because we got two slam dunks. So that, I, I think that's the scenario where he gets to eight. But I, I Thibodeau, I'm talking about. But I, for me, I, I would say eight to that question. Thor, appreciate the time and the conversation. Great insight, man. You got it. Appreciate you. He's Thor Nystrom, NBC Sports Edge, joining me, breaking down the latest on the NFL draft. I absolutely do believe that the Steelers would move up if Malik Willis is on the board. I don't know how high they would move up. I think five is there for the New York Giants, if we're being honest. Uh, That's if the Panthers are high on Willis or if the Panthers want Kenny Pickett. If the Panthers take Kenny Pickett at six, then Malik Willis will fall to wherever and, and the Steelers will move up. It'll be easier for them to move up to take Willis. But if they want to get ahead of the Panthers, the Giants are the answer to their, their prayers, right? Uh, the Giants have picks five and seven. They could easily trade one of those picks and move down, and the Steelers move up, and they'll, ju- they'll leapfrog ahead of the Panthers and take Malik Willis. I'm Scott Sadenberg. You hit me up on Twitter, at Scott's on Air. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Heat up your lineup with the FootJoy Tee Off Challenge. Join two free fantasy golf contests to compete for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes while the world's best golfers tee off. Head to DraftKings.com slash FootJoy now to join the action. FootJoy, the number one shoe and glove in golf. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And uh, taking a look at what we have here coming down the schedule for Friday. It's going to be a busy sports day, just like it is a busy sports weekend. Uh, you still got some NFL, uh, excuse me, NBA games. And we just got done talking draft, so it's on my mind. But we got some NBA games of importance for seeding purposes. NHL has got a couple of weeks left in the regular season. Of course, it's day two of the Major League Baseball season, which means it's opening day for the teams that didn't play here on Thursday. And, oh, it's round two of the Masters. As far as your NBA schedule, here's what we have right now. Bucks are at the Pistons, and Milwaukee is a six-point favorite. I personally don't think that the Bucks should try and win this game and I would not be surprised if they rest players in this game pay attention prior to you know when the news comes out to see if you in fact are going to have players sitting out but I might be intrigued to buy in on the Pistons plus the six now because I think that if we find out that Giannis and a couple other players aren't playing now again this is purely speculation but I think the Bucs are in a situation where they can afford to lose and set themselves up to be the three seed. 
I gave out the numbers earlier in the show, but the Bucks are 14-1 and against the Bulls in the last 15 games. And in the one game that they lost, they didn't have Giannis, they didn't have Holiday, they didn't have Brooke Lopez. So, and that was back in 2018, or that was last season or whatever. But they hadn't lost, the, we're talking about the last win for the Bulls is going back to 2017 over the Bucks. They own them. So you have a situation, you have a chance here to finish with the three seed in the Eastern Conference and match up with the Bulls in the first round where you will sweep them in four games. Or you could win and then play the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Uh, yeah, I think I'll take the team that I'm going to sweep rather than play against the Brooklyn Nets. Just that that would be my choice. I don't know what the Bucs are going to do, but that would be my choice. So I think the Bucs should, especially second night of a back-to-back after getting this win here against the Celtics, I would sit, guys, uh, for this game. Knicks are at the Wizards. Both teams, nothing to play for. And so with that, there's just no interest. And I would would be very careful. There's no reason to play any of these games with the teams that have absolutely nothing to play for. It's just, why? Why rush into playing uh, teams like that? You're just going to catch yourself in dangerous spots. Um, Unless you're handicapping these rosters really well, uh, I got no interest in any of the games that don't involve teams that are are playing. Nets and Cavs. Why is this game important? Well, with a Nets victory, they will be the seventh seed. And with the seventh seed, that means that they will host the first play-in game. And by beating the Cavaliers, it's not necessarily going to be Cleveland that is, in fact, that eighth seed. Because Cleveland would Cleveland um, right now is forty three and thirty seven. They would finish. They would be forty three and thirty eight with a loss. And then let's say they win their last game of the season, which is against Milwaukee. Again, I don't know if Milwaukee's going to. They shouldn't want to play, but I don't know if Milwaukee's going to play in that game. They shouldn't want to play in that game. They should lose. So let's say if Cleveland gets a win, then the Cavs would be sitting there at 44 and 38. The Nets, as long as they win their last two games, which they will, they will be 44 and 38 and have the tiebreaker. They would be the seventh seed. Atlanta can still finish 44 and 38. Don't know what the tiebreaker scenario is with them and Cleveland, though. Charlotte is out of that mix, but Atlanta could be the eighth seed. If Brooklyn's a seven, Atlanta has a chance to be the eight, and then Cleveland can drop down to the nine. Or, you know, especially if Cleveland loses their last two games against Brooklyn and Milwaukee, Cleveland finishes 43 and 39. Well, they actually could be the 10 seed, but it doesn't, you know, that just matters a home court because Charlotte can actually rise up and be 43 and 39. Interesting, a lot of interesting stuff here between all of these teams. The way I think it's going to play out, Brooklyn's going to be the 7 seed and that's all I care about. Because Brooklyn's going to be the 7, they will host the 8th seed in game 1 of the play-in tournament and the Nets will win that game at the Barclays Center. And then they will go into the postseason as the 7 seed. 
So I think the Nets win this game against the Cavs. It's a seven-point spread. I don't, I'll lay it. I think the Nets win this game by double digits against Cleveland. The Nets are playing well, minus the first half against the Knicks, but that second half was incredible. The Nets seem to be playing their best ball now at the right time and kind of clicking here as they, you know, go into the playoffs. Yeah, you know, it's been iffy losing. They lost to the Hawks in a tough game, lost to the Bucs in a game that they easily could have won. The Hornets' loss was confusing. The win against the Heat was really impressive, really impressive. But I think they know now with the last couple of games, the seven seed is within reach. This is where they turn it on. This is where they win. This is where they get ready here for the playoffs. Other games here on Friday, Rockets, Raptors. Toronto, a 14.5-point favorite. No interest in laying this number, but Toronto will get the win. Then you have the Hawks at the Heat. Miami, a a 2.5-point favorite. I actually like the Hawks here. Miami is locked into the one seed. Be careful. Find out who's playing, who's not playing. I could see a situation where Miami sits a couple of players. And the Hawks need this game to improve them themselves and have a chance to get out of that 9-10 game. And then you got the Blazers against the Mavericks. Dallas, an 18-point favorite. Dallas right now is a game back of Golden State for the three seed. It, they do have the tiebreaker over the Warriors. So what they would need to do is win their last two games and finish out 52-30 and 30 and hope that the Warriors suffer a 30th loss. Warriors' remaining schedule is the Spurs, winnable game. San Antonio, winnable game at New Orleans. Maybe they lose to New Orleans. Hey, Zion Williams is practicing, so uh, you know maybe there's an opportunity for 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 them. I don't know, but those are the only games that matter here in the standings. Now, taking a look at the futures market, you have the Suns as the favorite at plus two sixty. The Bucks are plus five fifty. Nets plus six hundred. That's just to win the title. Conference bets. No one's beating the Suns. Suns are plus 110. No one's beating them in the West. I can't see anybody beating them. Bucks are plus 235 in the East. Nets plus 320. Celtics plus 425. Sixers plus 450. I think what's so interesting is that the number one seed, Miami, is plus 500 to get out of the Eastern Conference. Now, a lot of that is baked in to the possibility right now that they match up with the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Even though I believe the Nets get the seventh seed, there is a possibility that the Nets get the eighth seed. So if Miami could line up with the Nets in the first round, Celtics at plus 425, they could line up with the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Same thing with the Bucks. Sixers are plus 450, but I don't like them to get out of this. I don't like the Hawks, Hornets, or Cavs. There's no guarantee that they get into the playoffs. Raptors, 45-1. to 1, Bulls, 35-1. to 1. 
long shot values, but I don't think either of those teams have a chance. I think the Bucks would be the play for me. Bucks or the Nets or the Heat. Probably the Heat because the number is the best number at 5-1. to one. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. And the Celtics at plus 425 would be a play for me as well. I got to see, though, about Robert Williams when and if he is coming back. We'll take a look at the Major League Baseball schedule, give a hockey play or two, and uh, wrap and uh, talk about, really, which teams are making their opening days here on Friday in Major League Baseball. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's opening weekend of the Major League Baseball season, and the Masters is ongoing. We are jam-packed with betting intel from all of our experts. We got breakdowns of every golfer in the Masters field, plus futures bets and matchups from the long shots. Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans. You got to go to VSIN.com, check this thing out. Sign up today, you get full access to VSIN through the start of baseball season the entire Masters, the NFL draft at the end of the month. It's only $19. vcin.com slash spring. Opening weekend will continue in Major League Baseball. You got teams getting their first uh, action on Friday. Teams that will play their opening days. Yankees hosting the Red Sox. Tigers host the White Sox. The A's are at the Phillies. Orioles at the Rays. Dodgers at the Rockies. Twins host the Mariners. Giants welcome in the Marlins. Blue Jays entertain the Rangers. And every other game will be game two. Diamondbacks, Padres, Astros, Angels, Reds, Braves, Mets, Nationals. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. And uh, Brewers, Cubs, all playing game two of their seasons. The other teams had the built-in off day with only a three-game series here 
over the weekend, not a four-game series. Uh, a couple of ways, you know, I'm looking at totals. I do like a couple of totals here, leaning towards overs in the uh, Tigers-White Sox game, the Red Sox-Yankees game, Phillies and A's leaning towards an over as well. Um, Blue Jays, uh, team totals that I like. I like the Blue Jays to score some runs here against John Gray and the Rangers. I like the Phillies to score runs against Frankie Montas and the A's. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, obviously I just like the total over between the White Sox and the Tigers, Giolito and Eduardo Rodriguez. Red Sox, Yankees, I, I think both those teams are certainly going to score. So I'll be taking a look at a lot of these team totals and how uh, it's going to play out between, you know, everything that we're going to see here on Friday's schedule. The play for me, like the play of the day for me, is probably going to be the Phillies. And I'm not sure which way I'm going to play it or how many ways I'm going to play it. I'm probably going to jump on the Phillies in the first half, first five innings. Right now, seeing the Phillies' first uh, five innings at minus a half a run at minus 122. That's well within my threshold. I think the Phillies go into the sixth inning with a lead. I think the Phillies win this game rather comfortably. But I'm going to think, I'm going to say Phillies' first five innings. Minus a half a run at minus 122 is probably going to be the play of the day for me. Uh, I think I also like the Phillies just for the entire game minus a run and a half. And I know it goes against something that I preach when it comes to betting a run line on a favorite is to don't do the home team because the home team is not guaranteed the... Ninth at bat. They're only guaranteed eight at bats if they're winning. But I lean that way on Thursday with a home favorite that I really liked in the Cardinals. And, you know, they put up a nine spot and they won the game nine nothing. So they covered, they hit over their team total as well. And I think that's going to be a similar case as to what we see here with the Phillies. Now, I don't think it's going to be a nine nothing game. It could be. But with the wind blowing out to right field, I think Bryce Harper hits a home run. I think Kyle Schwarber can hit a home run. Like the lefties, to me, are going to be uh, very attractive in this game. Very, very attractive. And I just think the Phillies in this lineup put up a ton of runs. They put up a ton of runs this spring. They really hit the ball well this spring. Bryce Harper led everybody in spring training with eight home runs. And you know who is second or tied for second in the majors in spring training home runs? Mickey Moniak. And let me just take a moment here to just say, Mickey, I hope you get better soon. I hope you have a great season. I'm not writing you off. It just stinks. You were my pick to be the National League Rookie of the Year. No one was really talking about you. I know you're a former number one pick, but no one was really talking about you. Everyone was talking about Bryson Stott. And I said, you know what? The moment Odubel Herrera went out, I said, who's going to start in center field for the Phillies? And the first answer is Matt Vierling. 
And I was like, you know what? Why is it going to be Matt Vierling? Why not Mickey Moniak? Moniak, former number one pick, has all the talent in the world. He's got a lot of pop. Why isn't he going to get the start instead of Matt Vierling? And guess what? Throughout the spring, whatever Kevin Long did with Mickey Moniak, the hitting instructor, he got him. He got his swing down because Moniak was he blasted six home runs this spring and looked great and has earned his way into the opening day roster and likely uh, the opening day starting center fielder nod. But in his final at-bat of the spring, took a fastball off the wrist, and it was determined that he suffered a fractured wrist, a hairline fracture. He's out six to eight weeks. Very, very disappointing. I know he could still come back and have a great season and very well could still win National League Rookie of the Year. I just don't know if the playing time is going to be there for him in this uh, after he comes back in six weeks because that same time frame is going to be the return of Odubel Herrera, who is their starting center fielder. And my hope was that Moniak playing for the first month and a half, two months of the season would play well enough to almost Wally Pip Herrera, right? And steal his job or at least earn himself a playing time split that would give him enough at bats to accumulate the numbers to be the National League Rookie of the Year. But I don't know if that's going to happen now, but still, I still think this is a great Phillies team. And with the lefties going up against Frankie Montas, I think Harper hits a, could hit a home run. I think Schwarber could go deep. And it would be where I'm looking for this team. I think there's going to be a lot of runs that are going to be scored in this game for the Phillies. So that is something that I'm going to pay attention to. I might play them in multiple ways here on Friday. But the, the, the play of the day might be, Phillies in the first five innings, back Aaron Nola, think that this offense is going to get to Frankie Montas, but I could see a situation where I jump in on, like, Phillies first five, Phillies team total, Phillies for the game, and just bet them three ways and just cash all three tickets when the Phillies have a 5 nothing lead after the first five innings and win the game 7-2. to two. Record that, by the way, in case I'm correct. Of the those exact scores. And, <laughs> um, also, I think, speaking of offenses, I'm very excited for this Blue Jays lineup. Uh, them with Jose Barrios getting the start against the Rangers. They are heavily favored uh, to reduce the juice a little bit. I don't know about laying. I, I mean, I guess I could lay the one and a half because I think the Rangers are not going to be that great. But I also could look towards a first five play there, just taking advantage of the starting pitching edge that the Blue Jays will have in this game. So that might be a way that I look to attack the Blue Jays against the Texas Rangers is by going uh, with the Blue Jays laying a half a run in the first five innings. I'll tell you what the juice is on that right now. First half Blue Jays on the run line. It's E. Oh, my goodness. Minus 110. I, I, I think this is an autoplay. At this number, um, it's just a normal VIG. How could I not bank the Blue Jays to have a lead after five innings 
Barrios on the mound for them against John Gray, who last season wasn't really that great uh, playing. Well, you know, he played his entire career in Colorado, but last year had a 4.59 ERA. Now he gets to go, you know, welcome to the American League, and here's your reward. Arguably the best lineup in the American League. The second best lineup in all of baseball behind the Dodgers. Blue Jays, first five, minus a half a run, minus 110. Pretty pretty easy for me. Hey, coming up this morning on Follow the Money, I'm sure plenty of Tiger talk. Paul Stone, professional handicapper, will join the program 7.45 a.m. Lou Finacaro, our very own, he'll join the program, talk a little MMA after the weigh-ins maybe. Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst, will talk the final days of the NBA regular season. And Aaron Renning, professional handicapper at 9.30 a.m., will join the program as well. It's all coming up this morning on Follow the Money. I'm sure the guys are going to get into the second round of the Masters. Can Tiger Woods continue his play, make the cut, and make a case to stay in to the top 10? And also, opening weekend in Major League Baseball continues. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.